the reality is that we have to be able to give ourselves grace to know that we're not going to ever know at all. And furthermore, the more specialized we are, the less we know actually about other topics. And so give yourselves permission to just be okay knowing that you don't know it all. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome to the show. We are here today with Eunicia Perret. Did I say that right? Sure did, Mike. All right. Just wanted to make sure. Today's show is sponsored by Fortress Capital. It's a private equity company that I founded to help physicians build passive income through commercial real estate. Being a physician is a high-stress job, and building passive income streams is key to not feeling trapped in that job. Inicio, welcome to the show. So give us a little introduction about yourself. Mike, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. Second of all, as far as an introduction on myself, I work with actually, so happens, a lot of physicians in helping them break through from a lot of the craziness of the day-to-day of the medical industry and what it takes to actually break through to financial independence, financial empowerment at the end of the day, so we can find the freedom that they're looking for. A little bit about myself personally, I'm a wealth strategist. I grew up through the world of financial strategy consulting, always focused on the office of the CFO, always focused on where the money was, always focused on figuring out how do we stop financial leakage? Because we find that that's a huge challenge that a lot of individuals experience, especially when we're finding ourselves in the higher net income, higher net worth categories as well. And so we had talked about this a little bit before about what you're building, because when I started at real estate, when I first heard about the family office, I was like, what's a family office? So I'll let you go into it a little bit more, but basically, from my understanding, it's really when you have very high net worth individuals in the order of millions or families is they basically have an office that coordinates their financial affairs and their investments. And often these family offices, when you go to uh, real estate developers or syndicators, love to have connections with family offices because it's typically a place you can raise a large amount of money fast. But you're trying to change that a little bit and make it more applicable to doctors. So tell us a little bit more. Absolutely. So what we found, Mike, similar to a lot of physicians, when we're getting into highly specialized skill set areas, individuals will have a tendency to earn more. And as we earn more, there's more taxes that we need to pay. There are more intricacies that we need to be aware of. But even though we're making a lot more money, and I say we because even though I was not on the medical side, as a highly paid individual, I was experiencing a lot of the same challenges. The financial services is not designed to help the individuals that are not in the multi-multi-millions of dollars when it comes to how do we truly minimize the tax exposure, for example, or optimize the way in which money is invested, how, when, why, where is it invested? 
unless, of course, we get into your point into the family offices. To get into the family offices, the most reputable family offices are going to start at bare minimum of probably 50, 100 million dollars in net worth. Well, here's the deal. Most individuals don't exactly fit the bill, at least not at the onset, right? For that. So the question in my mind at the very onset was how can we break through? What is it the ultra wealthy do? What is it that they know? What are the strategies that their teams are employing on their behalf? to help them actually achieve those breakthroughs where they pay less in taxes, they get to build wealth in a way that's meaningful to them. And how can we take that to the individuals that would love to have it, but don't qualify for that 50, 100, $200 million in net worth. And so the approach that we take is one that is very much customized to the individual. We have a methodology that is basically focused on identifying where is the individual, where is that small business owner, where is the business owner that maybe has already found a ton of success and taking them from where they are to where they want to be by actually giving them access to a lot of the strategies that they probably would otherwise not have access to unless they were working with a family office. Yeah, because those change a lot. In my experiences, as doctors, we tend to end up in the same things as anybody else. And, you know, you just got your standard 401k, and that's about it. Maybe some other of your standard tax deferred strategies. And as I tried to look for other things to do with my money, most people didn't know. I talked to our accountant at the time and said, hey, taxes are killing me. What more can we do? Uh, no, we've pretty much done everything. And I heard that from multiple accountants and started to finally find some that understood a little bit more, but finding comprehensive planning was very difficult and even almost impossible. So that was a very interesting thing the first time I heard about a family office and all that that involved. So you're looking to bring that down to that net worth down to a lower level. How much money do we need to put away as a net worth before being able to join the club now? The approach that we take, Mike, that's a great question, is very different from the idea of how much do we need to set aside. And the reason it's different is because historically, unfortunately, what I found is that individuals that earn a very nice living, listen, the reality is that it doesn't matter how much people really earn, but let's just focus on the higher net worth, higher earning individuals. They're being put in the corner of shame because when that question comes up of how much money have you set aside or how much money are you setting aside on a monthly basis, if if that answer doesn't somehow adhere to the rules that have been set on us, meaning assets under management, how much money do you already have invested, how much money can possibly move, people are finding themselves literally being made feel really tiny as human beings. And again, being put in a corner of shame because they don't meet some predefined criteria. They don't have a million or two or five or 10 or 50 or a hundred that is readily investable. And so because of the model that we approach and the way we work with our clients is not focused on that. It's focused on where we are in terms of the levels of complexities. Do you own a business? Are you part owner in a practice? If you are part owner in a practice, guess what? The type of discussion that we're going to have from a tax perspective, from a structuring standpoint, from tax minimization, optimizing for the future, how do we pay ourselves inside and outside of the company 
is going to be vastly different than if we were to work with someone that is um, getting paid via W-2. There's nothing wrong with either, though the strategies are going to be different. And so we've based our model not Again, not to put folks in a corner of shame, because I don't like being in the corner of shame. And once upon a time, listen, I was made feel that way myself, but rather to say, okay, what are the different things that we want to achieve? What are the complexities that we're having to deal with? And how can we customize that in such a way where we actually find pleasure in working on our financial game, on our wealth building platform? Because if we don't find enjoyment, then the financials, which are already a huge stress for people, are just going to compound the level of stress and that anxiety. And we don't need them to do that. We need that financial corner. We need it to actually give us the flexibility, the freedom, the joy to know that, hey, we're doing well. We can take chances and we can make the decisions that we want to make for our life and for our career and whatever the future holds. I love your analogy of the corner of shame, because especially when you get to high income, high educational people, which it can be executives, but it super fits doctors, and you get used to being an expert. And because the way other people look at you and the way you look at yourself, Whenever you feel like you have a big knowledge deficit, it can be really easy to feel like you're in the corner of shame. Like, why don't I know about this stuff? How could I not have taken care of this? You know, like somehow you failed when in reality, you just spent the last decade plus studying really hard, learning a lot of stuff, but that just wasn't one of the things. It's such a great point, Mike. And what I will tell you is when it comes to feeling that embarrassment or that perhaps lack of accomplishment, because oftentimes we'll have the tendency to do that, especially for individuals that are super highly educated, my message to them is please do not do that to yourself. Because here's the thing, when I go to a physician, the last thing that I would want to know is that him or her geeks out on financial strategies or IT or maybe marketing or whatever it is that's not in their area of specialty. The reality is that I don't geek out on the medical part for the reason I just mentioned. I geek out on the things that add value to my clients, add value to their bottom line. The reality is that we have to be able to give ourselves grace to know that we're not going to ever know at all. And furthermore, the more specialized we are, the less we know actually about other topics. And so give yourselves permission to just be okay knowing that you don't know it all, but here's the crux. When you're in a situation, you have to know that the people you're working with are people you can trust. And I know that trust is a very, very big word. It can be a buzzword. It can also be a word that hurts because all too often individuals have been taken advantage of simply because they're physicians. You mentioned something in one of our conversations about the doctor tax, right? I know that all too well. We built a property up in the North Georgia mountains and it felt like everything we did had an additional trip tax. There is an additional something. And oftentimes we don't even tell people what we do. I don't tell people what I do that I'm a wealth strategist because the moment I say that, people immediately will tack on additional charges just because they can. It's the same thing with physicians, right? So finding those people that we can trust in the area of specialty that we need them in meets the definition of success versus the definition of insanity when it comes to growing as individuals, building wealth, and just having fun in life. Yeah. And that's so true for docs because it doesn't take long before you start feeling like, hey, you got the doctor price. 
I think I got my first call from a stockbroker within three days of graduating from medical school. And the stockbroker didn't understand that they hadn't even started residency yet. So I was not a high income individual. But you start to feel like you have this target. And I think a lot of docs, and this is a lot speaking for me, you feel like these stages, like, okay, I've learned all these other things, I can learn this. And you start learning. And then you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then you get far enough that you kind of come over that horizon where you can see more and you go, oh, wow, I just got started. This is too much. And then when you start looking for help, it is difficult to trust and to find the right people that you're like, okay, I trust that you have my interest. And then combining trust with competency. And are they actually going to help me? And that's hard when you don't have the knowledge base, because it takes a while to figure out if they're actually helping you or if they just sold you a bundle of mutual funds. But then there's like the next step is once you trust somebody, there's uh, almost like this, okay, now I trust you. I'm ready to give you the keys to the kingdom almost. And maybe it's the same thing as when I'm sending my patient to another doctor, if I don't know somebody in the specialty they need to see, there's a lot of not trust for a while. And you're like, oh, I don't really know this person. Eh. Then you have a few good experiences with them and you're like, okay, good. Now I can move that aside, send it to the expert and get back to my field of expertise. And I think a lot of us, and I know I did, that once I learned to trust people, people. And the better you get at talking to them and sorting through them, then there becomes this level of competency of figuring people out. What would you say to somebody who's like, okay, I need some wealth management. I see signs all over the place for wealth management and looking for somebody to help with that. What questions would you ask? You know, I'll turn it around for just a second because you said something at the very beginning that I absolutely loved. And that it was founded in the question of what am I missing? right? What else can I do when it comes to minimizing taxes? What am I missing when it comes to growing wealth in ways that go beyond the traditional 401k, 403b, et cetera, et cetera, depending on which area we fall in? What do we do and what are we missing or what don't we have on our radar when it comes to maximizing income streams in retirement? Because all too often we're so focused on our careers that we don't think about or just the growth side of wealth that we don't focus on, okay, when it comes time to distribute it or when it comes time to think about legacy play, what will that look like? And all of those are so intertwined that I am super confident to tell you one of the big questions that we get from individuals when we speak with them is this notion of what am I missing? What am I missing in all the categories that I just mentioned? Similarly, if we were to turn it from a perspective of someone that is looking to get support that goes beyond what they've known historically, what I generally ask my clients or prospect clients is, what are the things that are keeping you up at night? Because here's the deal. What I found is that so-called experts out there do not really want to hear about what's keeping you up at night because chances are they can't really address it. So think about a 401k plan that is invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you name it, sitting in a portfolio for someone that is very risk adverse. Does it mean that we can get similar or perhaps even better results and returns in other types of investments? 
as compared to those traditional ones? Not at all. We absolutely can. But the reality is it's keeping us up at night because that's all we know. And so if we go to the same people that put us in those vehicles and we ask the question of what are we missing, we're going to get the same response that you got from multiple CPAs saying, we've already maxed out everything. What we found and what we know is that whenever people get that response, if we've maxed out or here are some things that you can consider and then that's that, chances are we're still leaving a lot of opportunities on the table. And it's just a matter of saying, okay, I'm ready for the next level. And when we're ready for the next level, that's when the doors open up. That's the type of clients that, for example, we work with are those types of clients that are saying, okay, I need more. I know that what we've got is not optimized. What are we missing? Okay. So you've done your first level. So somebody finishes residency, they start getting their first big paychecks. Do those standard things first. Make sure you've maxed out your 401k, you know, your standard tax advantage things, and then go to the next level and say, hey, Unicia, or even from the very beginning, like, let's build us a plan that takes me from now to dead and gone and my children take over this thing I've built. It's a great question. And what I will tell you is that the answer, and this is an answer that is really grounded in where we started, where I started when I work with individuals one-on-one, it's really, there is no such thing as too early. So the moment somebody gets out of residency, they're going to get the calls. They're going to be bombarded to purchase all sorts of policies and all sorts of investments and things like that. But the reality is we have to, even that early, ask the question of what is it that we need this money to do? Because for example, a lot of individuals don't know that the uber wealthy or even just the wealthy people that have already found success, let's not even call them wealthy, right? People that have found success, they might make a million or they might be net worth a million dollars. They might be worth 10. They might be worth half a million dollars. The biggest thing that separates the successful from the non-successful is how much of a conformity there is to a structure that's already in place. So if we want to just do the regular like everybody else, then by all means, we'll just go ahead and do the 401k and we'll do the IRAs and we'll do all the typical. But if we want to start gaining an advantage over everybody else, that's when we need to ask the question of, okay, I can do what everybody else does, but are there better ways? The sooner we can ask that question of, are there better ways, the less we work potentially there is going to be. Because here's the deal. When people put a whole lot of money and they have a whole lot of money in 401ks, IRAs and the like, and they get closer to retirement, to undo that and to undo the perils of having somebody else as a partner, external partner that you have no control over how much percentage-wise they're going to ultimately take out of your pocket, becomes harder to undo. So to answer your question, the sooner we can address those criteria for success for each individual, because everybody's different, every family, every household, every business partnership is different, the better off we are long-term. So going back to the beginning then, you spoke of identifying the leaks. And I think that's a great analogy because that's what I felt when I started really digging into my managed funds and was like, there wasn't some big place. It was a little fraction of a percentage here and here and here, but they added up to become a big leak. So what are some of the leaks that if somebody's going, okay, I'm listening, but I like where my stocks and stuff are. What are some of the leaks that maybe to stop and look and go, where am I losing money that I don't have to? 
it's hard to to point them out specifically without kind of knowing obviously individual situations. What I would say is with the broad brush um, approach is additional fees, fees that really shouldn't be there. Unfortunately, those when it comes to financial, especially financial vehicles, we'll just focus on the financial services. Sometimes it's really hard to tell where are those, whether they be hidden fees or fees that are not commensurate to where they should be if those portfolios or types of financial vehicles are truly, truly optimized. In some cases, it's easier to show the clients than in not. So where possible, that's one of the things that we actually do with our clients is we look at good, bad, and ugly, because I want them to understand. I don't want anybody to come and say, I trust Tunisia. Sure, they're going to end up trusting me after I prove myself in their specific case, right? But I want them to know the hard facts based on what it is that is available to them. What is it that they would typically get out there on the street? And how is it that they're different? How is it that they're excelling? Because what we're finding is that by just eliminating or minimizing to the bare minimum the costs, oftentimes, in most cases, our clients see additional gains to the tune of hundreds of thousands and well over a million dollars. And sometimes that's in one clean swoop, just one move. One move can get us back so much money. The other thing that I would say outside of just the cost is the knowledge of the professionals that are investing the money. In this case, I'm talking more about the stock market. Even during what happened last year, right? A lot of people's losses as much as 30%. I can tell you honestly that the teams that we work with, part of calls with touch-based calls with clients, the discussion wasn't, well, we just need to hang around with the market or we'll go to all cash, but rather it was hey, here are some of the things that we're seeing. Here are some of the things that can shift to not just avoid the losses, but how can we figure out ways to make up for whatever it is that's happening in the market? And so if as individuals, we don't have or those conversations are not being brought to us by our so-called expert teams, then it's when it's time for us to ask ourselves the question of, again, what are we missing? Why aren't we getting more information? But those are kind of, some of the areas that can cost us significantly to lost money, lost opportunities, and the financial leakage we were talking about. Yeah, that's the thing that keeps me up at night, or the one that really spurred a change. And still, when you look and go, how much am I losing that I'm paying in fees, that I'm paying in taxes, that I'm paying in all these things that maybe I could be keeping? So that as much as what's the return I'm getting but sometimes that return isn't as good. I mean, I had some stuff in a managed a managed account and it was all in the stock market. And so I would get the things that said, oh, your portfolio increased 16% in the last year. But then I'd go back and go beginning of the year balance into the year balance was not a 16% difference. And this was a nationwide company. And when I talked to my advisor, they had no good answer. I go, why don't you put that number out there? If really I only made 6%, why don't you say I made 6% instead of 16? Well, you made 16. It's like, okay, this isn't working for me. Now I need to start looking somewhere else. The idea is that pluses and minuses give us averages. The true averages that benefit us when it comes to the financial realm come from the areas where we can eliminate the negatives. If we can eliminate the negatives, then we can look at true averages because an average of six is going to be more of an average of six. We don't have to make up for lost time or for lost 
portfolio gains. Whereas if we have a 50% reduction in our portfolio using very easy numbers, that just means that we have to make up a 100% return to just get us back to even. So if the market went down 20, 30% and we made 16%, yes, it was a nice 16%. But when we look at, (laughs) to your point from earlier, when we followed the money, it does not end up being 16%. It doesn't end up being 8, 9, 10%. Oftentimes we might look at returns somewhere in the 5 to 6%. But nobody wants to talk about that because it's all about the averages. It's not truly about following that money. And that's what we want our clients to know that if we follow the money, that's where the riches come. That's where the peace of mind comes from. And that's where the opportunity to truly make something different for our wealth empowerment for our financial future also comes from. That is great. This has been so awesome. So in the second part of this episode with Unicia, I want to get into some of the specific asset class and maybe some of the things that as docs we've never even heard of and where they go. So thank you for joining us and join us for the next episode. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you got value from this episode, you know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional and you can help them by sharing this content today. I'd also love to serve you better. So I wanted to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you take a moment and leave an honest written review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help you. Schedule a call and we can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.